Today is February 21st. This is Verses and Flow. I'm Jennifer and I am glad to be here. I am glad to be of service one more time. I hope this podcast is finding you well and in great spirits. Since we're here, let's go ahead and do what it is that we came here to do and flow into this word. Leviticus chapters 11 and 12. New Living Translation Ceremonially Clean and Unclean Animals Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Of all the land animals, these are the ones you may use for food. You may eat any animal that has completely split hooves and choose the cud. You may not, however, eat the following animals that have split hooves or that chew the cud, but not both. The camel chews the cud, but does not have split hooves, so it is ceremonially unclean for you. The hyrax chews the cud, but does not have split hooves, so it is unclean. The hare chews the cud, but does not have split hooves, so it is unclean. The pig has evenly split hooves, but does not chew the cud, so it is unclean. You may not eat the meat of these animals or even touch their carcasses. They are ceremonially unclean for you. Of all the marine animals, these are the ones you may use for food. You may eat anything from the water if it has both fins and scales, whether taken from salt water or from streams. But you must never eat animals from the sea or from rivers that do not have both fins and scales. They are detestable to you. This applies both to little creatures that live in shallow water and to all creatures that live in deep water. They will always be detestable to you. You must never eat their meat or even touch their dead bodies. Any marine animal that does not have both fins and scales is detestable to you. These are the birds that are detestable to you. You must never eat them. The griffin vulture, the bearded vulture, the black vulture, the kite, falcons of all kinds, ravens of all kinds, the eagle owl, the short-eared owl, the seagull, hawks of all kinds, the little owl, the cormorant, the great owl, the barn owl, the desert owl, the Egyptian vulture, the stork, herons of all kinds, the hoopoe, and the bat. You must not eat winged insects that walk along the ground. They are detestable to you. You may, however, eat winged insects that walk along the ground and have jointed legs so they can jump. The insects you are permitted to eat include all kinds of locusts, bald locusts, crickets, and grasshoppers. All other winged insects that walk along the ground are detestable to you. The following creatures will make you ceremonially unclean. If any of you touch their carcasses, you will be defiled until evening. If you pick up their carcasses, you must wash your clothes and you will remain defiled until evening. Any animal that has split hooves that are not evenly divided or that does not chew the cud is unclean for you. If you touch the carcass of such an animal, you will be defiled. Of the animals that walk on all fours, those that have paws are unclean. If you touch the carcass of such an animal, you will be defiled until evening. If you pick up its carcass, you must wash your clothes 
and you will remain defiled until evening. These animals are unclean for you. Of the small animals that scurry along the ground, these are unclean for you. The mole rat, the rat, large lizards of all kinds, the gecko, the monitor lizard, the common lizard, the sand lizard, and the chameleon. All these small animals are unclean for you. If any of you touch the dead body of such an animal, you will be defiled until evening. If such an animal dies and falls on something, that object will be unclean. This is true whether the object is made of wood, cloth, leather, or burlap. Whatever its use, you must dip it in water and it will remain defiled until evening. After that, it will be ceremonially clean and may be used again. If such an animal falls into a clay pot, everything in the pot will be defiled, and the pot must be smashed. If the water from such a container spills on any food, the food will be defiled, and any beverage in such a container will be defiled. Any object on which the carcass of such an animal falls will be defiled. If it is an oven or hearth, it must be destroyed, for it is defiled and you must treat it accordingly. However, if the carcass of such an animal falls into a spring or a cistern, the water will still be clean, but anyone who touches the carcass will be defiled. If the carcass falls on seed grain to be planted in the field, the seed will still be considered clean, but if the seed is wet when the carcass falls on it, the seed will be defiled. If an animal you are permitted to eat dies and you touch its carcass, you will be defiled until evening. If you eat any of its meat or carry away its carcass, you must wash your clothes and you will remain defiled until evening. All small animals that scurry along the ground are detestable and you must never eat them. This includes all animals that slither along on their bellies as well as those with four legs and those with many feet. All such animals that scurry along the ground are detestable, and you must never eat them. Do not defile yourselves by touching them. You must not make yourselves ceremonially unclean because of them. For I am the Lord your God. You must consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. So do not defile yourselves with any of these small animals that scurry along the ground. For I, the Lord, am the one who brought you up from the land of Egypt, that I might be your God. Therefore, you must be holy because I am holy. These are the instructions regarding land animals, birds, marine creatures, and animals that scurry along the ground. By these instructions, you will know what is unclean and clean, and which animals may be eaten and which may not be eaten. Purification After Childbirth The Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If a woman becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son, she will be ceremonially unclean for seven days, just as she is unclean during her menstrual period. On the eighth day, the boy's foreskin must be circumcised. After waiting 33 days, she will be purified from the bleeding of childbirth. During this time of purification, she must not touch anything that is set apart as holy, and she must not enter the sanctuary 
until her time of purification is over. If a woman gives birth to a daughter, she will be ceremonially unclean for two weeks, just as she is unclean during her menstrual period. After waiting 66 days, she will be purified from the bleeding of childbirth. When the time of purification is completed for either a son or a daughter, the woman must bring a one-year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or turtle dove for a purification offering. She must bring her offerings to the priest at the entrance of the tabernacle. The priest will then present them to the Lord to purify her. Then she will be ceremonially clean again after her bleeding at childbirth. These are the instructions for a woman after the birth of a son or a daughter. If a woman cannot afford to bring a lamb, she must bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons. One will be for the burnt offering and the other for the purification offering. The priest will sacrifice them to purify her and she will be ceremonially clean. Mark chapter 5 verses 21 through 43. Jesus heals in response to faith. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, Look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? but he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. While he was still speaking to her, Messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, Your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, Why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. 
The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave, and he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha Kaum, which means, little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told them to give her something to eat. Psalm 38, a Psalm of David asking God to remember him. O Lord, don't rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your rage. Your arrows have struck deep and your blows are crushing me. Because of your anger, my whole body is sick. My health is broken because of my sins. My guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and stink because of my foolish sins. I am bent over and racked with pain. All day long, I walk around filled with grief. A raging fever burns within me, and my health is broken. I am exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. You know what I long for, Lord. You hear my every sigh. My heart beats wildly, my strength fails, and I am going blind. My loved ones and friends stay away, fearing my disease. Even my own family stands at a distance. Meanwhile, my enemies lay traps to kill me. Those who wish me harm make plans to ruin me. All day long they plan their treachery, but I am deaf to all their threats. I am silent before them as one who cannot speak. I choose to hear nothing, I make no reply, for I am waiting for you, O Lord. You must answer for me, O Lord my God. I pray, don't let my enemies gloat over me or rejoice at my downfall. I am on the verge of collapse, facing constant pain. But I confess my sins, I am deeply sorry for what I have done. I have many aggressive enemies. They hate me without reason. They repay me evil for good and oppose me for pursuing good. Do not abandon me, O Lord. Do not stand at a distance, my God. Come quickly to help me, O Lord, my Savior. Proverbs chapter 10, verses 8 and 9. The wise are glad to be instructed. But babbling fools fall flat on their faces. People with integrity walk safely, but those who follow crooked paths will be exposed. So today in the Old Testament, we read right there in the beginning of Leviticus, chapter 11, verses 1 through 8, a passage about dietary restrictions. And I want to share a quick note about that particular passage of Scripture that provides a present-day connection, which may also offer additional insight about God, showing that there is more to this passage than what initially meets the eye. On the surface now, it does just appear to be a list of what they can and cannot eat, what's clean and unclean. And once again, there's a lot of speculation in the scholarship about the reason behind these dietary restrictions, 
These reasons span the gamut from hygiene and health, symbolic significance, and cultural distinctions. But those reasons aside, okay, are y'all ready for a science lesson? What I found fascinating was that clean animals are those that belong to the classification of mammals called ruminants, which comes from the Latin word ruminari. They also have cloven hooves, which means their hooves are divided in two. These animals include, but are not limited to, cattle, sheep, goats, and deer. Ruminants are animals that eat only plants, they're herbivores, and they have a unique digestive system. They use fermentation in their stomach to break down the plant-based foods they eat and turn it into energy. This process is known as rumination, which involves them regurgitating the partially digested food, or cud, and chewing it again. This helps break down the food further and releases more nutrients so they get the most energy from their food. As believers, we should take this concept of rumination and apply it to our spiritual lives. This bespeaks the idea of meditating on the Word. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I like to eat, and I like to eat good. I also like to eat bad, but don't judge me. The point is, we shouldn't be satisfied with just a taste of Scripture. We should want to savor it, chewing on it over and over again, taking in morsels of truth seasoned with the flavor of sweet Jesus, delighting in every bite. We should chew on God's Word regularly so that we can extract the maximum amount of nutrients that will nourish our souls and make us stronger beings. One last thing, just as these clean animals had separated hooves, so too should our walk as Christians be separate from the world around us. Our walk should look different. It should be different. Much of the Bible is enigmatic in nature. That is, it may be interpreted or understood in many ways. And this is why it's critical that we do read and study and converse about it in community with each other, sharing our thoughts, perceptions, takeaways, and insights. Because it is through community also that we're able to gain a deeper understanding. We can learn from each other's perspectives and experiences, and we can encourage and challenge one another in our spiritual growth. So for me, this is just reason number 199 while I am so grateful that I get to do this with you that we get to come together in community to share and indulge in the rich, complex, spirit-watering palette of God's Word. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this Word. We thank you for this image of rumination and the thread throughout Scripture offering clues as to how you expect us to interact with you and your Word. We thank you that your word is a word that invites us into relationship with you, a word that opens our eyes to what we can learn from each other and about each other. We thank you that this word is stratified and multidimensional and so applicable to our lives today. We thank you that this word of yours is so good, and we ask that you would continue to speak to us and through us. We pray that as we meditate on your truths, they will become our own. 
that they'll come alive in the depths of our hearts and our minds and in the marrow of our bones and in the sinews of our muscles, that we would be shaped and formed by it as it permeates every cell of who we are. Lord, we pray that this word might be a source of continual spiritual and emotional sustenance, that it might augment our lives, give us perspective, and help us to see things from new angles. We thank you for this community and the community of believers at large, for our fellowship and communion with one another. Lord, we thank you that we get to learn from each other. We get to challenge and encourage each other as we dig into this word together. Thank you that you are a God of community who wants to be with us. Your children are listening, God, and we ask that you would speak to us all day, every day, whispering your words of wisdom, grace, and love. Help us to know you more fully so that we can live our lives as you intend for us to live them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And our affirmation? I am not pushed by my problems. I am pushed by my purpose. I am not pushed by my problems. I am pushed by my purpose. And our aphorism. Life mirrors your thoughts, so keep them pure, clean, and exalted. That's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for being on this epic adventure with me. You belong here, and we belong together on this journey. I love you, and I'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you.